Welcome to Showboys, a podcast that delves into the world of film and TV. Hosts Nick and Mike jump to light speed to a galaxy far, far away and recap the latest adventures of our favorite bounty hunter and his star-studded crew in this space odyssey spaghetti western. In this week's episode, the Mandalorian and his allies attempt a daring rescue. So, what's the rescue? Uh, yes, welcome to the final installment of the Mandalorian Companion Series. My name is Mike, and as always, I am joined by my friend and fellow, uh, well, I guess the Jedi to my Star Wars Padawan-ness, uh, Nick. How are you doing today, Nick? I'm doing good. Doing good. I think I've seen this three times now. Nice. Yeah, uh, man. Uh, it was great episode, uh, emotional episode, uh, but also an episode that left me with quite a few questions afterwards. So, um, ex- I think it's it's leaving a. I, I mean, it leaves a lot of questions, and it's kind of. I mean, they have more going for them than just kind of like the story here that they're exploring. Um, just universe wise, you know, much like the you know we always call back to the MCU because there's a lot of correlation there with how they set that up. But I feel like, once again, they are improving on that because there's just questions and possibilities as to where they can go and what they can do and how they're going to continue to execute on this very well-set-up future. I'm just continually impressed by all that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, they definitely... Well, just before we really get into much... This episode, like, really almost felt like a series finale instead of, like, a season finale to me. Mm-hmm, right. Uh, because, like, literally the two main, like, plot points were kind of resolved. Uh, I mean, one definitely is resolved, but then the second is, like, half resolved slash opens up a whole other can of worms. But, um yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens in season three, and we'll talk about that at the end uh, because we were treated with a very nice post-credit scene, very MCU-like. Um, but yeah, uh, let's just, I guess, real quick, get your your overall thoughts and impressions on you know kind of how they wrap the season up and all that. Yeah, I mean. I think finales are always tricky, um, especially when they teeter on what feels like a series finale also, right? Um, I just feel like they're always a lot of room to critique it. Um, I mean, a really good episode, action-packed, you know, they kind of tied up a lot, like you said, as far as the main story here. Um, Settled some stuff. We kind of know where everybody's sitting. But, 
you know, there there's a few things that, you know, are worth picking at, and we'll definitely pick at them as we go through it. Um, but there are other things that are done extremely well. Um, and when we get to it, I mean, I think they're doing something extremely well that for the past five years, everyone is just sucking at. Um, so I'm excited to get to that. Nice. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's just get right into it then, because I'm excited to hear, you know, what you're uh, talking about there. So um, for me, uh, I agree. It, it was a really fun episode. Uh, and it really, I mean, it probably is just because I'm currently watching pretty much nothing but Rebels and Clone Wars. But the whole episode really played out like an episode of Rebels or Clone Wars. Like, uh, you know, you got the, the like past- opening scene, like dog fight. You know them trying right. to you know board the the uh, lambda there, and then the, the whole coming up with the plan in the in the little ship, and uh, yeah, it just very much felt like a, a Rebels or Clone Wars episode to me, which was really cool because I love those shows. Yeah, they're doing a good job, um, you know, bringing elements of those shows, which are very successful, into a live action. Um, series and i feel like sometimes people are you know they tend to, they try to shy away from you know things that work in cartoons that are because they're easy to pull off but they like shy away from them in live action because for some reason they think they don't work but they very much so work no matter what at least in star wars did you kind of get that feeling too or is it just kind of more so me due to what i'm currently watching and stuff um well, I kind of feel that way about at least half the episodes when it comes to Mandalorian. Um, you know, like the one with the last one with Bill Burr, similar situation there. Um, but like you said, I they are getting better or closer to when you when they're talking about tying in like big elements, right? The a space fight being present more often is so good, and it's very helpful to kind of fully capture that episodic arc that those shows tend to take. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the episode opens up with, uh, a slave one chasing an Imperial ship, uh, that just so happens to be transporting the doctor slash engineer, Dr. Pershing, um, back to probably the, the larger cruiser ship. It's not really said, but, um, yeah, slave one's hot on the tail and, they uh what did they hit them with an EMP or something like that that kind of shuts the ship down ion cannon yeah and uh then they board the ship and um for being just like two lackey pilots and an engineer like it was actually like a pretty cool scene there between the, the one pilot and Cara Dune and how he's just like being an absolute savage and just explaining in great detail about how he was on the Death Star that blew up Alderaan and like killed a bunch of people and blah blah blah. But we get a cool moment here where you kind of he he lays out the point of view from the M- Empire, right? Where like they mm-hmm. see the other you know, side as, like, being a bunch of terrorists and stuff. And so, like, while I didn't 
get hit hard with much empathy. It's like, okay, I mean, like, you can kind of understand. I mean, obviously, the Empire is are clearly the bad guys, but they do a, a nice job of trying to um, make you understand their point of view at least just a little bit, you know? Yeah, and, you know, because it's correlated with the dark side, the dark side is not without its um, empathetic moments or times when you feel bad or sorry or can at least um, feel like them, right, and why they feel that way. Because Star Wars is largely about exploring two sides of the same emotions everyone has. So they're not entirely wrong, but they're not going about it entirely right. Um, and they have, <laughs> yeah. they, and they have made a, an effort, you know, especially with the newer content to show when, you know, the rebels or, you know, the Republic, when they're not so good either, you know, they kind of show that everyone there's down, like Bill Burr said it in the last episode, it's all the same to the normal people in this universe. Right. Yeah. Again, it's touching on that whole perspective thing. Uh, though I thought last week's episode did a much better job of blurring that line and kind of making you consider the perspective thing. Um, but they touch on it again here, which is always nice. Uh, but, you know, the, the pilot's speech is kind of cut short when Cara Dune just kind of gets sick of it and just shoots him right in the face. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I like... I think she got a little bit too much shine in this episode, but... She is definitely getting her her screen time worth, right, and her moments worth out of this season, and it hasn't seemed to really slow up. So, um, yeah. I I don't I don't I'm not very I'm not pessimistic on her future in the series or future series. Um, it looks it looks pretty good for her. Yeah, and that's cool. Uh, she's like a she's an interesting character, uh, though I think maybe could be acted slightly better. Um, yeah. At least she is like a character that you could believe like doing the things that she does, you know? Like she was mm-hmm. an, an MMA fighter, so like she can actually fight, right? And she doesn't look like a, you know, anorexic swimsuit model trying to like wield a giant like railgun type blaster and like doing all this stuff. So I uh, I think, you know, give her some time to improve as an actress the character is very interesting and i think she kind of fits the character at least to like an okay spot at this point you know right yeah aaron wasn't aware of who she was but like she was just uh, you know admiring her badass moments in this episode and she was like man she's just like rit she's huge i'm like well i mean (laughs) In her real life profession, she like literally beats people with her fists. So um, <laughs> yeah. uh, she's yeah. like, "Oh, that makes a lot of sense." I'm like, "Yeah, she's an MMA fighter." Um, but yeah. yeah, great point. Yeah, so you know, kudos to her. Uh, hopefully, you know, she continues to grow as an actress, and we and that character continues to grow throughout, you know, the remainder of this series or. Uh, some of the other series that were announced at the investor day. Um, but yeah, so, so basically they get doc Pershing back on the slave one and, uh, yeah, they, uh, they land on a planet. Reminds me of Lothal a bit, but it's not, 
I don't think it is at all. But it reminds me of Lothal from I Rebels. See that. Yeah, again tying in that that Rebels, you know, feel. Um, but yeah, they land on the planet there. Uh, Boba, Fett, and Din. They enter the saloon, and uh, yeah, they see. Bo-Katan and her sidekick, which I learned her name is um, Casca Reeves, by the way. Um, They're just kind of, you know, sitting in the corner, having a drink, and yeah, I guess um, our our speculation on how Bo-Katan would tie into this last episode, um, you know, one of the theories ended up coming true, where Mando and crew would seek out Bo-Katan. Um, how did you feel about, you know, this approach as opposed to like Bo-Katan and, and Din meeting as they're like converging on Moff Gideon? I think, I think it was fine. Um, it was more kind of Mando style, right. Or the style of this show <clears throat> where he kind of rounds up his previous acquaintances and allies and he's got a mission for them. So I think, I think it, it, it's just more direct than having to try to make sense of her showing up at the same place, right. To get Gideon while that would have worked. I just feel like this is a very direct approach to the whole thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, they, Mando is pretty much like, Hey, I need your help. And Bo's like, well, you believe it or not, not all of us, Mandalorians are bounty hunters, so... Uh, And then Mando hits her with the old, they got the kid, and of course, that gets everyone. So, I don't know why it just doesn't start with that, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone should just assume at this point, like, if Mando's up to something, probably has something to do with Grogu there. Um, Especially when he's not in his little satchel on his his head. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, um... So, you know, a, a little, well, not a little, a somewhat lengthy scene here in the saloon, and we get some, you know, dialogue about, you know, Bo-Katan's like, well, how do you even know where he is? Like, how are we supposed to help you? How are we supposed to get to him? Like, that kind of sucks, but, and Mando's like, well, we got the coordinates, and she's like, oh, so you do know where... Gideon is okay well let's go uh you know I need the dark saber though like Gideon and the dark saber are mine and you know I need those to reclaim the throne of Mandalore and Mando's like hey whatever I don't care you can have whatever you want like I just I need to get the kid back he is my you know my only priority um so there's a lot to kind of like break down and talk about in this scene here uh, but first, before we do, when they land on this planet and when they take off on this planet, they kind of like make <clears throat> a, a focal point uh, of those short scenes, like the larger ship. Mm-hmm. Um, is that like a specific ship? Is that Bo-Katan's ship? Or is it just like a cool shot? So that's the way they decided to do it. No, that's a that's Bo-Katan's <laughs> ship, but it's a it's like a gaunt, it's a gauntlet starfighter, star which is a Mandalorian fighter. Um, so, and this episode particularly, um, 
it's just so hard to guide someone new through Star Wars because they reach in so many directions all the time. Um, if you were to have finished Clone Wars or Rebels at this point, you would know a bit more about that ship and some other things. So, but mm-hmm. there's just no way to, you know, ideally go about it, in my opinion, at this point, unless you were to just binge it all in a week. Um, <laughs> just take a vacation and just shut life down and catch up. Um, but yeah, the, it, it was, it's cool to see that ship in there. Um, but yeah, it's a little no one. No, yeah, one. you want to do you want to kind of take us through this scene here a little bit more in detail? Yeah, no, this this scene's really fun. Um, and it, it really once again, I find a lot of these interactions with the Mandalorians um, intriguing because we're learning about something that's happened, but isn't been shown yet or hasn't been shown yet. Um, and there's always just all these little context clues, you know, so. You know, they show up at this, like you call it, a saloon. You know, it's kind of that, that little tavern on the outskirts of nowhere. Um, and everyone's just kind of in there hanging out. You know, the two badass bounty hunters walk in. Everyone looks at them. That whole classic scene, very Western-esque. <laughs> um, then they proceed to walk over to um, who they're after. And, you know, it's Bo-Katan and her sidekick sitting there. Um, but we get a lot of interaction kind of out the gate mixed in here because like there's Bo-Katan and Mando Din talking um they're kind of you know the ones in charge at least for now and then you got the sidekicks um which is something that's kind of continuously played out here um because Bo-Katan does kind of oddly just brush Mando off like right from the get-go it's just like you'll never find him referring to Gideon and then Boba starts to kind of show more in character to the rest of star Wars. Cause he's so far been kind of a good guy, right? He's been a very happy helper of din in his mission, but that speaks to his kind of code, right? He, that was the agreement they reached. He's going to honor that to the fullest. And it kind of seems like he likes din, right? Whereas with Bo here, mm-hmm. you know, really around, he's like, we don't need these two, um, you know, really kind of, throwing them aside because he's got like something with them. And then, you know, she kind of explores the issue she has with him. Um, you know, he brings no honor to his armor. He's not a Mandalorian. We go through the whole thing where he's like, I never said I was, but it is my father's. (laughs) And it's the whole complication of technically it's his father's. He was a special clone made for his dad. Um, and all that. So there's a lot of just, this Mandalorian tradition where it, which really is, has gotten muddy over the years, right? It's not all cut and dry. Like it used to be when Mandalore was great and perfect. Um, yeah. You know, we have all these weird situations. I really, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, I really loved uh, how, as soon as Boba started talking, um, like Bo-Katan just has this look like, oh, I know that voice. Like, she yeah. totally recognized him as being a clone and, like, even, you know, has that little snide remark about, <laughs> about like, him actually being a clone. Uh, so that, I thought that was pretty cool. A nice little callback. Yeah, because, yeah, she goes, I've, I've heard... Yeah, I've heard your, your voice thousands of times, and he's like, it, it's going to be the last one you hear. Um, <laughs> yeah. If, if you keep it up but 
yeah, little you know, little bits and pieces keep kind of get getting revealed here. Um, and you know, she's once again on her little soapbox about you know, I want to take Mandalore back. Um, and he's like, Mandalore. He's like, kind of like this is ridiculous. He's like, the Empire turned that planet to glass. Um, so <laughs> there's just like a lot of contention there between just philosophies of thought. Yeah. Um, in action and then obviously the little fight pers- uh, breaks out amongst the sidekicks um yeah i love the line where she was like oh i didn't know sidekicks were allowed to talk <laughs> and here she is talking she, yeah <laughs> oh man but their little fight scene was pretty cool um costco was kind of getting the upper hand there for a second and then they had their little like you know la- laser beam insert fire you know, whatever Flame stream thrower. of yeah yeah like uh so like harry potter has the the wands of harry potter and voldemort like shooting their powers at each other and neither side will budge uh, but we got that with flamethrowers which is kind of interesting haven't seen it done mm-hmm. with flamethrowers before <laughs> yeah must be very uh, but, focused flamethrowers but yeah they, yeah man Mandalorian's uh, scuffling, I'll place it. Um, that's usually what they do because they're not really kicking ass because they're so evenly matched all the time. It's more of like a an odd, destructive scuffle, breaking everything. Yeah. I love how how Bo's like, well, if we showed half this much spine, you know, the Empire wouldn't have done what it did. Or I forget exactly what the quote was there, but I thought that was pretty funny too. Yeah. There too. Uh, but basically, yeah, that- like, at by the end of the scene, like. Bo-Katan is pretty much drooling over the possibility of, you know, killing. I love how she called him the Moff. Like, is is Moff a a title or something? Or I just assumed that it, his name was Moff Gideon. No, Moff Moff is like a like almost like a governor. Like it's a title. Um, mm. So like there's there's Grand Moff, there's Moffs, and then and that's like an okay. imperial thing. Nice. But yeah, she's just like, yeah, once I kill the Moff and reclaim the Darksaber, I'll be able to, you know, take back Mandalore. And again, Din's like, whatever. Like, <laughs> I just <laughs> want to get the child back. It's like, we're doing a so, lot of talking right here. Like, you coming or not? Like, let's go. Yep. It's like, whatever. You you could just, I, I literally do not care. Like, just help me get the child back. Which I think is kind of cool and kind of, you know, shows how much... Uh, Din has has grown to like towards Grogu, you know, like their relationship and like how much he actually cares about the well being of little baby Yoda. It's it's more mm-hmm. than a mission now, you know. Right. But uh, yeah, so then they they leave, and we get a little plan sesh rebel style on the uh, the Lambda shuttle there. Um, yeah, basically, they start to go through their plan, and Doc Pershing's like, hey, you know, like, you don't have exactly all the information, and, you know, the crew obviously is like, okay, whatever, and the Doc is like, no, I'm being serious, like, they have, you know, these dark troopers up there, and, uh... It was pretty funny when there when he was talking about the dark troopers, um, how he's just like, yeah, we've kind of you know we the human inside was the final weakness to be solved, which I thought was also kind of like a 
nice little tongue-in-cheek of like making fun of how normal stormtroopers can't do anything (laughs) right well that that also is a really interesting line because it just further places um the video games dark forces which the dark troopers are from into canon all the more so they didn't just you know cherry pick dark troopers from that legend stuff he noted they were third gen design so in those games the original like first two phases of dark troopers were had had humans inside of them um then eventually Mm. they became droids so i thought it was interesting that they are just further referencing how those games went about so that is really cool uh again we love seeing all the the ancillary stuff get pulled in um super cool yeah to me comfort like to me just additional like confirmation of elements of that just brings you know people who are fans of those games that much closer to being like well those games pretty much happened i don't see why they didn't um right so yeah yeah so the plan they devise is for uh the gals to enter in first and make their way to the bridge and once they kind of clear the way Din will uh, then kind of like sneak his way to uh, rescue Grogu and then they'll all meet on the bridge. Uh, and ver- and this entire time, Bo-Katan is very insistent on uh, like Gideon being her problem and that you know she's the one that needs to take care of him, uh, which will be important later. um yeah so any thoughts here about their plan or the crew or anything well no i mean yeah because at first i was like she could just explain it because den's a pretty you know straight shooting guy she could just explain why she needs to handle um gideon herself but then again it's also she has to kind of shield any sort of potential temptation others might have if, you know, they don't quite understand the the rules around the Darksaber and that whole situation. So, true. I think Plus it's it fair. Wouldn't, it wouldn't make for, you know, such an interesting twist. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, now, my, now, this is like right before it, like, it gets into it, because this is going to be the next whole sequence, but the whole gal squad here, um, they just executed a very, you know, pro girl hero type like scene here and whole entire sequence without any odd forcement of it. Right. It's so natural, makes so much sense. There was no all the superhero chicks just land in the same spot on the battlefield and decide <laughs> to do this. You know what I mean? That whole thing. Right. Um, and I just feel like in a very natural way that makes sense no forced anything this show just you know they did they're doing something here that no one else is able to get perfect you know it, in many they, years they now did. of trying to do this yeah they did what the mcu failed to do <laughs> right um though no, i not, i did go ahead no, and we've talked about it before, like, you know, the Alien series, like there's plenty of other times when this has been done, but in the recent years of this kind of being a resurgent point um, yeah. of culture, this was just 
a very perfect insert of all that. Yeah, it to me, without totally derailing this episode, it just has to make sense. Yeah, and, that's all. Like, I could care less who the strong main characters, saviors, like, whatever, like, heroes. I don't care if they're male, female, straight, gay, whatever. Insert whatever, you know, type of person. Like, it just make it make sense in the term of the story, right? So don't, don't like, try to shoehorn something in just to say that you hit, a you know, a checkbox. Um, but the way they did this was really good because, uh, you know, I mean, I noticed, but, like, in the terms of the story and all that we've seen so far, like, all of those characters are characters you would expect to, like, you know, They've all had their fair share of screen time, be it in this show or in other Star Wars shows, you know. Uh, so, you know, the next scene here, we have um, the crew executing their plan, which starts with uh, Boba and the Slave One chasing the Lambda shuttle and kind of shooting at it. And, uh, you know, Bo-Katan making distress calls to the cruiser asking to board because they're being chased and shot at. Um, so, you know, it starts out really cool. And again, like, man, like everything about these little small dog fights with the, the like small fighter ships and stuff just really makes me think of clone wars and rebels so much, but it, it probably has to do with the fact that that's all I've been watching lately. Um, well, I mean, but yeah, uh, I mean, particularly in this scene, they do something that's very, you know, something that you would see in those shows where, you know, they're crashing a ship into a, you know, a very small little hangar bay um, and they're just going right in it. They're not like really spending too much time on logistics that make a lot of sense. And it's just it's all about the action, just like, the, you know, the cartoons are always yeah. about the action. Yeah, it was it was really cool too cuz you know, they make the call to the cruiser and they're like, "Hey, we need help. We're getting shot at. Let us board." And Moff Gideon's just like, "Release the ties." And uh yeah, so they reply they're like, "Yeah, okay. Uh you can't right now. Uh steer clear of the launch tube." And the tie fighters start, you know, coming out to try to you know, take the on music? the slave one. The music was so good when those TIE fighters were preparing to launch. Just a little little, little intensity right there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. They're, they do another cool thing with the music uh, in a little bit after this oh, yeah. that I noticed and was a fan of. Um, but yeah, so the TIE fighters start coming, like launching out of the tube, and uh, Bo-Katan is not... <laughs> she's not backing down... Uh, like literally playing chicken with the oncoming TIE fighters. And yeah, she just disregards what the cruiser was saying and just flies right on into the tube. And that whole sh shot of the, the shuttle coming in and then the wings like raising up and like scraping and like bouncing kind of off the walls of the tube and then crashing in like that whole sequence was really cool looking I really enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, so that leaves 
Boba and the Slave One to fend off the few TIE fighters that made it out of the tube, which, of course, are, are no problem for the Slave One. That thing has so many, like, don't, don't freaking chase me moves to it. Um, it's ridiculous. The, the rear-facing cannons just seems like a no-brainer. Like, everyone should do that kind of stuff, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Does, does the whole little hey. spin move just blasting them in reverse and then jumps the yeah, light speed? it's pretty great. They should figure out Dark Trooper forms of TIE Fighters. Because they oh, also seem equally as useless <laughs> as stormtroopers. Um, but yeah, so they they crash the shuttle into the, the little launching bay area. Uh, Bo, Kara, Fennec, and um, crew, they, they kind of... Yes. They they come down and they just you know, take care of the, the useless stormtroopers there in the launch bay and just start to make their way up to the bridge and as they kind of you know get out of that area uh din exits the ship and we get like some cool a cool version of the mandalorian theme here where it's just like that uh man i wish i knew what the instrument was that they use but like the the woodwind you know there part of of the theme telling you watch the making of they'll tell you what it is i know i have i, to I think you got i think you have to watch the first season because i'm pretty sure that's what the the christmas present is on christmas that they're releasing is another season of the making of for this one mm. that would make sense and i would i really would love it it's just add it add it to the list <laughs> the never the never ceasing list that just continues to grow and grow yeah oh man but I, I really enjoyed Fennec here in this scene. She's just like laying waste to everyone, and it was so cool. Yeah, she definitely has the whole mind about her on this one. Like, this is like a job that she's going to see through and get through. Um, probably isn't all that excited to, you know, be doing this. And, um,. I don't know. I'm really. I'm. I was. Yeah. I was a big fan of Fennec in this whole sequence. She's really kicking ass, and I think it's just like a general. I'm. I'm on Team Boba Fennec in this second half of the season. They're just like a really cool um, pair, and I think that's yeah. kind of a little bit of foreshadowing how they're just like portraying them as we kind of get to the end of the episode. Yeah, yeah. She does some work here. Um, I also love the the like rail gun machine gun blaster that Kara has is pretty dope. Um, but this entire time, you know, as, as the, the crew is making their way towards the bridge, uh, you know, Gideon is kind of seeing everything unfold on the, you know, security cameras, which I, I would have to think again, like how far into the future are we? We have like hyper speed travel, uh, but like the CCTV on the ship is, you know, looks like it's from, you know, 1987. Yeah. They do what they can. They do what they can. But yeah. So anyways, he's seeing, you know, all this chaos unfold and he's just like, all right, we're not even messing around. Activate the dark troopers. Uh, and as we heard prior 
in the episode, they kind of take some time to you know, ramp up, power up. So, um, yeah. So all this is starting to happen as the crew makes their way to the bridge and Din is trying to make his way to find Grogu. What do you think about the Dark Troopers? Their power-up dubstep music is just amazing. Um, that doesn't even need a remix, but I wouldn't mind hearing a remix <laughs> of it from SJT. Um, yeah. That's just so... I mean, there, there's there's definitely three notable, like, awesome score moments in this episode alone. Yeah, I feel like uh, our friend SJT has quite a few options of, uh, like, character themes that he should totally remix from this season. One being Bo-Katan's. Two being, uh, I like Boba's. It's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the Dark Trooper one would also be pretty sweet. Um, Just add base. Yeah, exactly. Uh, You know, Din is trying to... This was the other cool score thing here is like the like stealthy thriller version of the Mando theme as Mm. he was kind of sneaking his way to try to find where Grogu was being held. Uh, I really enjoyed that. But basically here Mando is trying to, you know, get to the dark trooper bay because part of his job on this whole mission is to take care of the dark troopers on his way to where Grogu is being held. So he's trying to make his way. He has to do some like, super top secret sneaking uh you know as droids and stormtroopers are running down hallways um i really don't know how he didn't get seen but you know whatever i'll just let that slide uh but yeah he uh isn't able to make it to the dark trooper bay fast enough uh so as the doors are shutting you know you get the the ever suspenseful hand through the doors. We get one dark trooper that's able to stop the doors from shutting and squeeze his way out. Uh, while the rest are, you know, kind of stuck locked in the bay there. And man, this dark trooper (laughs) just like lays it to Mando here. (laughs) Yeah. They definitely have an affinity for just like punching their problems. Um, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> they and, make me think of those rock'em sock'em robot yeah game. yeah Remember that oh for sure <laughs> that's definitely like what they're kind of drawn from and yeah he's just yeah, this thing's just manhandling mando that's funny um but i also wonder like i guess if you're just in your best car and i don't know how does his neck survive getting just absolutely <laughs> his head getting just pounded I get the right. like the helmet can be indestructible, but like, dude, your neck is just—I don't right. know. Ugh, it makes my neck yeah. hurt. Well, either that, or like he's definitely gonna have Swiss cheese brain. The amount of CTE suffered just in that that pounding there by the dark trooper is enough to, <laughs> yeah, make him go all Aaron Hernandez. But <coughs> excuse me, um, but yeah, this I, fight I, scene was. No, yeah, like yeah, you're gonna you're gonna say, I mean, yeah, this fight scene is sweet, and we get to see uh, the spear use and all that jazz. So I like yes. the the utility finally showed up for that thing, and he is and he is wearing it, you know, like 
he has a place for it, kind of like behind his shoulder on his back. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was cool that it is basically part of his gear set now. Yeah, yeah, I liked how how much, like how many parts of his suit he had to use in this little fight, and like nothing was working. <laughs> right, he's got the little wrist missiles. He's got his flamethrower, and you know, at the end of the day, spear to the neck gets him every time. Yeah, and the flamethrower reminded me of, uh, you know, like that was Grievous's weakness, kind of like flame to the innards of his mm. skeleton there, whereas they must have improved that technology. It's all it's all flame <laughs> yeah. retardant. Yeah, uh, but it definitely establishes that the Dark Troopers are not to be messed with. They are quite a threat. Um, but... Since Din is able to take care of this one and the others have not successfully punched their way out of the bay yet, he is able to open the bay door to space and they are all sucked out. While they are robots, that doesn't really kill them, but it kind of removes the immediate threat of them being able to break out of the bay and stop Mando and crew from their mission. (sighs) So, at this point... We cut to the bridge in which the crew has easily taken. Uh, But the main takeaway here is Gideon is nowhere to be found. (gasps) So, yes, shocking. Uh, Bo-Katan's probably a little sad. Um, But they're able to take the bridge just fine. And then we cut to Din finding the the, uh, holding area that Grogu is in. He opens the door, and wouldn't you know, Moff Gideon standing over Grogu with the Darksaber out. And, uh, yeah, this scene, we have a lot of a lot of details here. Um, you want to kind of walk us through what happens here? Sure. Yeah, yeah, he opens the doors, and, you know, there's Gideon. Surprise, surprise. Um, I kind of I wonder why Bo did not go seek him out obviously he was on the ship i don't know how else that would have played out with her just kind of hanging out on the bridge but whatever um if you want something bad enough you go get it she was just kind (laughs) of being lazy there um but yeah so door opens mando sees baby yoda but then gideon's got the dark saber over him it's pretty, it was a pretty uh, even exchange right there for the first half. You know, they're kind of just talking it out because he's just really saying, I just want the kid. Um, this doesn't have to be like messy or anything. And Gideon's kind of leaning into it. He kind of shows a little bit of a, you know, he puts a softer spin on it. He's like, I really just wanted his blood, just wanted to study his blood. Nothing, nothing bad in that, right? Um, it kind of, you know, lures Mando into, you know, where he, you know, where he wants him. Because um, he just, they agree that if he can have the child and as long as he leaves his ship immediately. Um, yeah. And again, Mando's like, whatever, dude. I just want the kid. I don't care. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll do yeah, whatever. Yeah, he's just like, yeah, he's like, let's just, let's all be chill. I really just want the kid. <laughs> um, yeah. And even even Gideon, you know, he, he makes that you know the comment. He's like, I see your guys's bond. Um, you know, he can see it through his armor, just like the rest of us can. Uh, Din just has a way of showing that emotion through all that Beskar. 
But, yeah, but pretty much Gideon, he kind of lays out why exactly Bo wants the saber. Uh, you know, uh, yes. it, it, whoever wields it, you know, it brings power and the right to lay claim to the Mandalorian throne. And of course, Mando's like, whatever, I don't care. Just give me the kid. <laughs> and, um, yeah, interesting line from when Gideon was talking about, you know, wanting to study the blood samples. Uh, and, you know, he, he holds great power and has the potential to bring order back to the galaxy. So a, f- a few things here. One thing that I didn't mention earlier on in the episode, but I just remembered uh, when they're talking about Dr. Pershing, they use, they, they say clone, like he's a clone engineer. I thought that was important that they named his title. Yes. And then we have here the potential to bring order back to the galaxy. So is the speculation from earlier on, uh, from the siege, you know, the goop tube. Are we thinking, are we thinking that we're going to be trying to clone a certain somebody? Yeah, I think it's it's pretty hard to argue against it at this point, but they are definitely, this is the Empire, or the early stages of the, of the First Order, trying to clone Palpatine back into being, or at least perhaps before him uh snoke from the disney trilogy i think that's pretty clear at this point yes uh so after you know all this lovely exposition here um gideon's like all right you know what you can have him you just gotta get out of here and like you know we're done man is like all right cool uh so he goes to grab grogu and shady it's like psych <laughs> yeah uh definitely felt like a nice little infomercial there but wait there's more uh gideon you know of course tricks him and attacks him with the dark saber uh, and then we get like pretty another amazing fight scene here between mando and moff gideon um it sure is a good thing that Bo-Katan told us earlier in the episode that the Darksaber can cut through anything except pure Beskar. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> avoided like avoided that nice plot hole right there. Um, yeah, right. I, 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 wonder <laughs> if, I wonder how much Gideon knew that. Because um, I almost feel like he expected just to like slash down Mando from behind and be done with it. Right. I feel like he didn't understand that. But he yeah. also wasn't too shocked when Mando was just being Superman about it and just being like, yeah, hit me. Yeah. Uh, I really, the, that fight scene was so cool, especially when uh, he whips the spear out and they're kind of dueling with the spear and the Darksaber. And I loved how every time the Darksaber, like, would hit mm. and hold on a spot or whatever, like, the spear would glow like it's getting ready to, like, melt or whatever. Uh, super yeah. cool visual thing there. Did you did you catch the choreography where Din like kicks the spear with his like heel and it yeah. flips the spear and yeah that just like cool little cool, cool things like that he's just he's just he's very skilled with yes. uh, the I, spear they do they do a good job of choreographing the fight scenes for sure they're all super interesting um, but at the end of the day uh, 
Of course, Mando defeats Gideon, uh, knocks the Darksaber away, but spares his life uh, for some reason. Uh, probably because Kara wants Gideon alive for the New Republic, um, and Bo-Katan, you know, he knows Bo you know, has a beef, so he scoops up the Darksaber and Gideon and Grogu and makes his way back to the bridge. And <laughs> upon entering the bridge, uh, for some reason, well, I guess not for some reason, I guess he had the Darksaber, you know, out to make sure Gideon didn't try anything funny to get away. But, you know, the bridge door is open and in walks Mando holding Grogu with the Darksaber out and Gideon in front of him and Bo-Katan just <laughs> gives him this look. <laughs> She's so pissed. <laughs> She's so mad. But, but I don't know. She should have went and found Gideon. You know, if she wanted, like, how else was Mando supposed to handle that situation? Hold on, I'm going to get you to bow somehow so you can fight her. Right. So I don't know what she expected. Right. It's not like Mando knew. Yeah, know, she's just what, standing on the bridge, learn. hands behind her back, just like waiting for something to happen yeah you snooze you lose sorry bro uh but we learn here why she's so angry uh and that is because in order to wield the dark saber it must be won in battle so since mando defeated moff gideon in battle there he was able to take and and wield the dark saber so it's kind of funny because gideon is like smirking in the back you know just like haha you don't get it um well even when he was like oh you're 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 sparing my life you know this will be interesting yeah it's almost like he's <laughs> acknowledging that he's about to get to have some fun with all the all his yeah. nemesis yeah just need to give him a little bag of popcorn back there um but yeah so basically in or like mando can't just give Bo-Katan the Darksaber, she has to now defeat him in combat. Uh, so this is kind of funny here because this, I guess, could set up storyline for Season 3. Bo versus Mando. Um, but at this point, like, I'm starting to, uh, again, remember, I don't know Bo-Katan outside of Mandalorian. I haven't gotten that far in either Rebels or Clone Wars. So I don't know what she what her character is, right? But to me now she's starting to look a little more like a bad guy than a good guy. She has definitely walked the line and been on both sides of the the fence here. Um, also, I'm not sure what Dave is up to here, but Bo did not when she originally got the dark saber, she did not fight the person for it. It was given to her. So this is a big question mark mm. in star Wars, um, lore right now. Um, unless there was some sort of weird little bylaw that let that, let it happen. And now it's back into the normal routine of, you know, trial by combat kind of thing. So I'm definitely interested in, seeing how that plays out because to me Din's very well you know it was it was that was like perfect acting the way he was like I yield 
Yeah, he's like, whatever, just take it. Like, he's, I, yield. <laughs> I, I get it. Like, cool story. I get we're all here. We're all Mandalorians, and there's a lot of hoopla going on, but literally, I yield. I have a kid. I want to yeah. go home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, little, it's little things like that that make this show great. Um, but yeah, it also kind of gives us a little detail on how Gideon might have obtain the dark saber which we were kind of speculating on earlier uh you know maybe around the first episode of the companion series uh so according to these rules that he laid out you know he must have defeated its prior owner and took it that way um so i guess that could kind of rule out him possibly having been a mandalore of some sort or whatever or a mandalorian of some sort yeah well this kicks back to all the details that I keep trying to pull out of this series about Mandalore. So um, we have, remember the reference to um, Project Sender? Mm-hmm. So, and then Boba said they turned that plant to glass. And there was a big yeah. fallout with the Empire when it came crashing down. They just kind of like did whatever they could to dissolve Mandalorian's might. Um, I'm thinking that Mandalore is part of Project Cinder or somehow related, and they try to just like destroy the planet, at least make it unlivable. Um, and somewhere in the fall of the Empire, um, the Darksaber fell into Gideon's hands. I don't think he fought someone for it. I just don't think that was the case. Um, but do you think maybe he's like making this whole rule up just to make? Well, no, because the way Bo-Katan is reacting, it's no. like, yeah, he's right. No, so, okay, so just to clarify, that is for, that is exactly how it works and has worked, except for one other known time. Um, uh, okay. in, in either Clone Wars or Rebels, I won't tell you which until you find out, but um, it's only happened one, one time where it that was not the case. All the rest of the cases, that's how it has to be passed on, is trial by combat. Uh, okay, okay. Nice, good to know. But yeah, it kind of raises some questions here. Yeah. Um, but meanwhile, while all this is going on, uh, the dark troopers are back. Those dang clankers—they just never go away. Yeah, Fennec has a had a nice little moment there. She's like, "No life forms. The race shields are <laughs> breached. We're all screwed." Yeah, uh, and the the build up here is very tense because you know. We saw how hard it was for Mando to take care of one dark trooper, and now we have, like, 12, right? Uh, so there's kind of a sense of dread building here, and, yeah, they just kind of, like, barricade themselves into the bridge here. And admittedly, I'm I'm usually pretty good at seeing, like, twists and turns coming, but, like... Mm-hmm. At this point in the episode, I was like, oh, man, what the heck, what are they going to do? <laughs> like, I literally was, was at a loss for what was about to happen. Like, I had no idea. Um, but again, back to your point from earlier, uh, yeah, they just decided to try to punch their way through the door. I mean, it'll give eventually, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did like later when the door opens that it doesn't open all the way. Because I was like, that door can't open all the way because it's so dented. That's just my, like, nerd brain thinking. Right. And... They stuck with it. I was like, okay, good. The door doesn't open all the way. I'm happy now. Nice. <coughs> um, yeah, that's that's nice continuity there. Um, 
But yeah, as as the the tension is building over the next probably minute or two, uh, they just kind of show shots of the dark troopers making their way to the bridge and punching the door, and then back into the bridge of all the the characters just menacing menacingly staring at the door and wondering how they're going to get out. All the meanwhile, Gideon gets pushed to the ground. Just so happens to land right on top of a blaster that he hides in his cloak, which will come in handy in a little bit. Um, and, you know, the whole time Gideon's like, well, yeah, it's really going to suck when they come in here and kill everyone except for me and the baby or the child. And then. Well, he's even like, he even says, you got a nice little fire squad here, which is kind of an understatement. Like, that's a badass crew there. But yet there is still this impending dread that they are all going to die. Yeah, but are they going to die? Because... Heck no. Out the window of the bridge, we see a lone X-Wing fly and board the ship. Tell me. Which was kind of funny, because Car or, like, uh, Fennec's like, oh, an X-Wing, and Car's like, oh, cool, one X-Wing, we're saved. (laughs) So what is... So... Upon seeing an X-Wing, like, what did you think like that was? Well, I was like, that's that looks like an X-Wing. And then that was my thought. Uh, like, or like who <laughs> it was. I, I really had Just no idea. No idea. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, uh, yeah. It, it was, it was a mean, cool reveal. I mean, two people sure. who were like, who are not dumb about Star Wars like I am probably knew it right away. Um, and we're probably like really geeking out. But I was just like, oh, sweet. I guess the Jedi's coming. And, uh, mm. yeah, so we see we see the Jedi just, like, laying waste to all the dark troopers that were so hard for Mando to take out. Um, and the whole, like, the, the Jedi making his way to the bridge, all the, like, fighting and kill sequences were so cool. The the final sequence there on it on his final hallway to the bridge that was very strong callback to Darth Vader in Rogue One when he just like goes to that hallway and like destroys all those dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, very similar, very similar sequence here with um, somebody. Yes. Uh, while all this is going on, the Jedi is making his way to the bridge. Uh, Gideon, you know, whips out the the hidden blaster and tries to. Well, first he lights up uh, Bo-Katan's sidekick, and then he tries to shoot Grogu, which Mando, of course, heroically leaps in front of. Uh, and then when Gideon's like, "Oh crap, that didn't work," he tries. He like turns the blaster on himself. He get ready to blow his brains out, and uh, Kara. Knocks the gun out of his hand and then knocks Gideon out with the butt of her gun. And that, you know, threat is, you know, subdued there for the moment. But what would you think about that? Uh, she's trying to get promoted in like the Republic because that's a, that's a big uh, that's a big prize for her. You know what I mean? Like obviously it's a good thing for the Republic. They can interrogate him and all that stuff. But um, she has a lot of I think plot reasons to take him alive. Um, yeah, and, and you see that all through. But yeah, that was that was a cool little thing because I mean, you see the dread though on his face because um, he really starts to realize that it went from 
in his favor to nope, no longer in your favor, man. Yeah. That dude is just destroying everything. Yeah. And uh so it cuts back out to the Jedi's right, you know, down the final hallway after he gets out of the elevator. And I loved the final the final droid where he just like force crushes him. That's sweet. Um, but one question, so the glove, you know, the constant shots of, of focusing just on his hand with the glove, that mm-hmm. ob- is an obvious Luke sign, right? Because didn't his hand get chopped off or something? Well, depending, the X-Wing landing and then some dude in robes getting out, that was the obvious sign. Oh, because uh, Yeah, obviously. But I'm saying like... <laughs> no, okay, yeah. So, the, yeah, then, so there was that, right? X-Wing, some dude in robes. Probably going to be Luke green lightsaber probably going to be luke black gloved hand in black clothes very much so luke because this is basically five years after return of the jedi and in that movie luke dons his all black outfit and Mm. this is basically luke in his prime right this is the luke that everybody wanted to see in the in the sequels but you know, much further in the future, but this is like prime Luke Skywalker, just top of his game. And, um, he has a cybernetic hand. That's why he wears a Mm. black glove, just like his father. Interesting. But yeah. Uh, so pardon my ignorance of star Wars. (laughs) Everyone's probably just screaming at me. Um, but yeah, so, uh, you know, we get the big reveal as, Luke enters the bridge. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, kind of wish it wasn't that awful de-aging CGI, you know, thing that they like to do in Star Wars, uh, because it, it really l- did not look good. <laughs> yeah. So, like, yeah, the first time they did it was Tarkin. I didn't mind Tarkin. And that, he was Grand Moff Tarkin, by the way, for another instance of the use of Moff um, in Rogue One. I didn't mind it, but like you said, it's not perfect. Um, they did Carrie Fisher also in that movie, um, but she had like a line, right? And it was for like five seconds, so that was okay. This was this was like pretty hit or miss. I mean, a little bit, a little bit of a miss, but it works. Um, just because I guess it's too close in time to the last time we saw Luke Skywalker in, at this age. So like Mark Hamill still did the voice. They had a different actor for the body and they just kind of de-aged his face. Um, I, I kind of wouldn't have, pref- I would have preferred probably that they would have just picked a new actor to don his appearance at the least. Cause there, I've seen some good options floating out on the internet. Um, yeah, I think the, Probably the most popular one is Sebastian Stan, who yeah, is that's... Bucky, the Winter Soldier from you know, the mm-hmm. MCU. Which I didn't know that. I would I would agree with that. He he, well, very similar in appearance to you know Mark Hamill at that age. Or, you know, as Luke Skywalker. I feel like it would be, and maybe I'm just not privy to the technology, but I feel like it would be easier to have Sebastian there be the guy and then them just kind of do some digital stuff to his face if they needed to, to just even further make him resemble Mark Hamill at that age. I feel like that would have been less and easier than completely just de-aging Mark Hamill or whatever. Yeah, but it probably wouldn't be as cost efficient. (laughs) Yeah. 
Right. Um, I don't know. Just just at this point, I have no problem with them, especially with so many good choices out there for everyone. Right. Just yeah. Just picking it. He's still around yeah. to do the voice, and he's a great voice actor. Um, we seen oh, yeah. we seen the face. I love we Mark seen the Hamill. face. Yeah. Yep. But no, it wasn't it wasn't terrible. It's okay. It fits in to me. It blends this weird this weird like border zone between cgi animation completely and live action and with mandalorian it's kind of not too far from that already right like at what point are we looking at a completely digital thing versus not so you know if it was done in some sort of you know they're in new york city right or if they did it in like a marvel movie or nah that doesn't even count you know what i mean i'm just trying to say that there's enough that's already kind of fake and sci-fi about Star Wars that it's not, to me, too terrible, though. There's worse times to use de-aging, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Luke comes in, and basically he's just like, <laughs> Mando's like, wait, are you a Jedi? <laughs> Clearly. What do you what do you think you're, you're just watching? <laughs> like <laughs> Hey, at least at least you know more about Star Wars than Din does. That's true. I mean, come on, what do you think he was doing out there with a lightsaber and like f- forcing droids out there? Like uh that cracked me up. I love I love Din. <laughs> yeah, Din's a great guy. Ah <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, that we get this like really touching scene though between Mando and Grogu where like you know they're saying their goodbyes and and Din just takes his helmet off and doesn't care and like he's in a room full of people and other Mandalorians and uh granted they're not of the same you know sect as he so like they take their helmets off you know no problem but this was a really powerful statement you know for Din to just take his helmet off you know yeah i was thinking earlier when he was getting when you uh like referenced the mashed potato brains like i was like oh maybe this guy's head (laughs) hit so many times he just forgot um but no yeah he's in the right company and i think this is just the evolution of his character right he's finally gotten over that i think to a degree to a degree i don't think he's going to be rocking it off all the time like Bo is but he's kind of separating himself from the the cult Mandalorian group there. Um, and this was a very important time for him as well. So if he's going to take it off at any time, now might as well be it. Yeah. And, and um, love... oh, he, he does it. He does. He tells Grogu, like he says, don't be afraid. Right. And this reminds me a lot of when Anakin's mother in episode one told Anakin, don't be afraid when Qui-Gon was taking him. So very, very similar, right? We have the the young, very talented, high midichlorian count, gifted individual here being taken from his parental figure and get in going with a Jedi to be trained. Exact same story here. True. So we think we're going to get like a, a Yoda Vader? Yes, yeah, so we're going to get Darth Grogu and he is just going <laughs> to wreck everything. Um, yes. Uh, man, but there's also kind of an interesting thing here is when Din takes his helmet off, Grogu, like, reaches out and, like, strokes his cheek, 
And this is probably the first living thing to touch Din's face other than Din, you know, since he became a Mandalorian, which is kind of kind of crazy. Yeah, it was super touching. I mean, they they went all for the feels on this one. Yes, it, just it uh, is... just go over to Kevin Smith's Facebook and <laughs> see a grown man cry uncontrollably. Oh, was, uh, was he just sobbing? <laughs> yeah, oh, I love man. Kevin Smith so much, yeah. dude, because he just like he loves. Oh yeah, like this stuff, and I, I mean, I don't blame him. Like, I mean, especially somebody like him who grew up, you know, on Star Wars as a kid, you know, and getting to continue to see it fleshed out to this day. But like, I just love when people are passionate about anything, right? Regardless right. of what it is, and like, he he did he did that. Uh, it was either during Infinity War or yes, uh, End Game or whatever, like. Where he's just crying, and I'm like, man, I love that. Like, I wish I could be that passionate about something, you know? I think it was after uh, the first one there, because when they all yeah, got when dusted. when they got dusted, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was, uh, you know, Spider-Man and Iron Man's uh, mm, interaction yeah. as the dusting was happening that got on there. But anyways, uh, very yeah. touching moment here with, with Mando handing Grogu off to Luke, and, ah, oh, man, yeah, it was pretty... It was pretty sad. We got a nice little R2-D2 cameo there. I was trying to read into that a little bit more. And, you know, Grogu really kind of, like, is interested in R2. So, like, did he? does he know R2? What, did they have a little conversation there? Um, I don't know. I don't know if it was just, like, R2 is super friendly and fun to be around. And everyone loves R2-D2, including right. Grogu. And he's like, oh, yeah you're nice i want to go with you you have a a cool droid or did he know him somehow i don't know that was really cool he's beeping and booping and it and it kind of looks like grogu kind of like understands what he's trying to say or whatever yeah uh and then luke hits him with the old may the force be with you which was pretty dope and then uh they walk to the elevator with grogu just staring back at mando and you know gut-wrenching fashion and then the elevator door closes, and the episode is over. Or so we thought, because in typical Marvel MCU fashion, we get a post credit scene here, <clears throat> which made absolutely no sense to me, because I don't know anything about Star Wars. Uh, but I would love to hear your thoughts on this post credit scene and kind of what it means and what it's setting up. Yeah, all you got to do is just rewatch episode five and six, really just episode six, and you'll be all caught up there. Um, but this was, I don't know, this was about as cool as the whole episode on its own um, for me, just because I've been in the whole Boba Fennec fan club for like four episodes now. Um, but yeah, this post credit scene was crazy little add in here. So you got, you got Jabba's palace here on Tatooine. Jabba the Hutt. Um, and inside, you got some the usual grilly creatures. And we have a character who has taken Jabba's place after his demise. But you got Fennec strolling in, just blasting everybody. Frees the, the, the slave girl. That was nice of her. Um, but then in comes Boba down the stairs. Blasts the dude donning the throne. Takes him off. And takes the throne. 
there in Jabba's palace, which is now Boba's palace, I guess. But but what this does though, and this is just this is a really cool scene. That was a cool tie-in with their duo all together for me because they're just badasses at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but this places Boba right back to where we you know really last saw him in Return of the Jedi in, in the scar the Sarlacc pit. Kinda, kinda. That whole, that yeah, mostly Tatooine and the criminal underworld, if you will, of at least Tatooine. So, definitely he's going to be kicking ass, taking names. I don't know what his ultimate motive is, but it's really interesting. But, to what you were asking about earlier, this also makes me really wonder about what Season 3 of The Mandalorian is going to be. Yeah, um, so, you know, here's the thing. They, the, the post credit scene ends with the text, The Book of Boba Fett, uh, mm-hmm. December 2021, or whatever, which is interesting, because season three of Mandalorian is supposed to be coming out in December of 2021. So, mm-hmm. why would they release two series... At the same time. Or I could does this mean that season three of The Mandalorian is the book of Boba Fett? Yeah. So I mean this is these are both gonna be such juggernauts anyways. I think they could run tandem series and not have a problem. Um but or I could see the Book of Boba Fett being a shorter miniseries that would fit within the month of December. And then that would allow us to have the first episode of Mando immediately following and then running for two months into 2022, right? So just like throwing some stuff out there, what could possibly happen? But I'm completely not shy of saying that we just saw the Book of Din and we are about to see the Book of Boba. And eventually, someday, we will see the Book of Bo, Catan. And that is <laughs> the Mandalorian. And we're just constantly following a quote-unquote Mandalorian in this series. Almost anthology-like. That is very true. I think we even, uh, in our first Companion Series episode, maybe we might have speculated something like that. Or you you may have. Uh, I think because either that or it was in you know, separate conversation, but I think mm-hmm. I r- recall you saying something along those lines. Um, but for Din, his, his mission is complete. Yeah. And for, and with his character arc, it kind of places him hanging out with Bo-Katan. Cause once again, in this episode, she did tell him I would at that point reconsider or ha- strongly have you reconsider joining us. Um, right. He takes his mm-hmm. helmet off kind of full circle there. She broke him of that habit. Um, he doesn't really have much where else to go. I don't know. I, I could see, I could see him showing back up in the book of Bo-Katan after the book. Well, of Boba. <clears throat> so if we, if we, if each Mandalorian in terms of Mandalorian armor, where, uh, you know, gets their own little, two season or so portion of the Mandalorian as a whole. 
the book of Bo Katan would definitely be interesting and and needed, right? Because her mission <clears throat> is not complete. She does not have the dark saber. Instead, Din has the dark saber. Mm-hmm. And she wants the dark saber. So I don't know if Din joining them really would be a thing. I feel well, like Bo Katan's book would be her trying to get the dark saber from Din, right? Or like because she <clears throat> she comes off to me as a person who wants the power, right? And I don't think she would be cool with being like, "Let's go get Mandalore back and Din, you can be on the throne." You know? Well, yeah, for sure. And especially within scope of Bo-Katan in Mandalorian. Uh, her larger character development might suggest otherwise, or at least could. Because um, she's not shy of being the sidekick, if you will. And I, I mm. think her ultimate goal is restoring Mandalore to its glory. I could see her putting being Mandalore, because that's the person who has the Darksaber who rules Mandalore, is called Mandalore. Um, spelled slightly differently, but I could see her at least, I don't see her having Din putting, keep, you know, putting him too far out of her reach. I would see her more likely to stay close to him than not. So it would, it is very interesting. Yeah. How that would all play out. I mean, I don't, I mean, unless they really wanted to take Din's character arc and have him turn into Mandalore, the great, right? The ruler of all the Mandalorians. I, I don't see that in his character arc, you know? I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting, though, because, <coughs> excuse me, um, like they really set Grogu up to be like this huge, important figure in the Star Wars universe. And so now he's just gone. Like, are we ever going to see or hear anything about Grogu? right and his training or whatever um and at first when i started to when it started to make sense in my mind uh that the book of boba fett might be season three of the mandalorian like i was pretty bummed out because i like din and i like pedro um but then the more i thought about it i was like what what else, what story could they tell now? Like he, like literally his entire reason, you know, for the show is done. And like, how do they continue his story without like, I don't know. I I feel like there is no more story for him to continue. Yeah. With him being the focal point at least. Right. And that is sad, but we also always talk about on Showboys how, good things do have to come to an end, right? And this would be a perfect little cap off for a book of Din um, and even Grogu. I definitely think we'll see them again. And Star Wars is really good at setting up a storyline, telling a story, and letting it cook for many, many years. Um, Yeah, so when I'm like 50, we'll finally see what happened to Grogu. Yeah, or, you know, I don't think Grogu's going to get his own show anytime soon, but he might show up in some sort of Luke Skywalker, you know, training academy, because he goes on to have his own uh, Jedi academy, where he's training the next generation of Jedi. Obviously, Grogu Uh, 
is part of a very early look at that because it's only been five years since the end of Return of the Jedi. It took him a while to get going. So, so they've placed Grogu at a very pivotal point for Luke Skywalker's story in setting up the new Jedi Order. So that's cool. Um, and I think Din is might you know if they do it do if they do it this way, Din is going to be a reoccurring side character in you know he's going to be in the uh he has to be in the like the you know the freaking rangers of the republic um yeah. he might not be in ahsoka's story but i could see bo katan being in ahsoka's show which right. might be with her so i don't know yeah i think <laughs> and i love the idea now that we're talking about it about like i think it would be sweet if we had two season anthology, you know, seasons of the Mandalorian Mm -hmm. and like, you know, so obviously the next two could be the book of Boba Fett and telling his story. Right. And then, uh, you know, we still have Bo-Katan so we could have two seasons of that. And then I don't know, maybe somehow they introduce, uh, Oh shoot. I forget her name. The Mandalorian from rebels. Really oh, Sabine. I can't remember her name? Yeah, Sabine Wren. What? What if Sabine shows up in one of these seasons, and then we get the book of Sabine or something? You know? No, right. Um, I think I think that would be a, a home run. Um, and you know, I don't know. Obviously, we know Mandalorian's hugely successful, and the show isn't going to end anytime soon. And I think the anthology approach might be the best way to go about it, because I don't want them to unnecessarily force Din's story into places it doesn't need to go right i don't think you know you know don't overly there's so much to tell about star wars if they just tied up his story right for now for now i'm completely okay with that and i don't want i'd rather them not force him into some other role like ruling mandalore or becoming like a general in the new republic who knows i just rather them he's a simple guy you know he's not He's not too crazy. He just spent two seasons trying to get Baby Yoda to a Jedi. Yeah. No, uh, definitely opens up, you know, the show to a whole slew of possibilities. Um, so, yeah, the more we're talking about this, particularly the anthology idea, I'm starting to fall more and more in love with it. Uh, so I kind of hope that they go that way. I'm not sure how that will be received, but I think I would. I will really... I would enjoy that. Oh, man. I wonder. Because, okay, so Obi-Wan's ep- show, I don't know if it has a name. It's just called Obi-Wan. Um, it most certainly is going to take place after Return of the Jedi and it's going to take place on Tatooine. I wonder where they're going to land it. Never mind. I take that back. <laughs> Scratch that thought. All right. That wouldn't work. That wouldn't work. Never mind. Nice. We'll leave that in there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But, yeah. So, overall, I think you know, season two of The Mandalorian was super fun. Uh, getting to do this companion series was super fun. Uh, I'm sad that both are over. Um, but... Listener, you, if you enjoyed, um, you know, the companion series and enjoyed us breaking down 
you know, each episode as, as it released, you know, something for you to listen to while you're waiting for new episodes to come out. Uh, maybe, you know, a way or, you know, thought provoking, making you think about, you know, certain aspects or plot lines or whatever of the show that maybe you might not have thought about. If you, you know, enjoyed the companion series, let us know. Um, we, we want to do more of these and, especially if it's something that you guys like to listen to. So, you know, if you enjoyed the companion series, please let us know if you have any ideas for shows that you would like companion series for. You know, leave a comment, shoot us a message, let us know. We'll be happy to to look into it. And, yeah, I don't know. Do you have fun doing the companion series, Nick? No, this was tons of fun. Uh, Great outlet to explore the larger star wars universe with both new content and touching on old content with someone who is pretty new to it um, <laughs> pretty new you mean extremely pretty. new the newest well maybe not the newest but yeah i definitely enjoyed uh your insights and it definitely made me want to you know get into star wars and see what I've been missing out on which has been a lot of fun <laughs> and I'm thankful for it so uh, we're also thankful for SJT for allowing to uh, for allowing us to use his remix of the Mandalorian theme song uh, like always uh, all of his links will be in our episode description so please make sure you check out his pages go support him uh, watch us listen to his stuff yeah until next time we have spoken
<laughs> and this is the end. So the end. Much. <laughs> the end. The end of the Mandalorian campaign series, season yes. two. Rip. See you when all our speculation is right at the Book of Boba, December twenty twenty one. Yes. Or or actually, we'll see you on Monday because we have our regular episode. <laughs>